Okay, welcome to the next edition of the Metric Stack podcast. Today, we're joined by Will Cordes, who's CEO and founder of KPI Sense. He's over a decade of experience helping SaaS and software businesses solve their strategic financial challenges. Before KPI Sense, Will led M&A and corporate development for two private equity-backed SaaS companies, Infogix and MarketTrack. He started his career in investment banking, largely within the tech, media, and telecom group at Wells Fargo Securities. Thanks so much for being here, Will. We're delighted to have you. Great to be here. Super to have you, Will. So we're talking about magic number today. And maybe before we get into the details of how you calculate it, how you apply it, set the stage for us. You know, if that's a little bit of background about that, that magic number or, you know, what businesses it applies to, give us a bit of background first. Yeah. I mean, really magic number is, is, is a pretty cool indicator, um, you know, from my vantage point. And as a, a finance numbers, I, I guess this stuff is kind of fun. And I guess if, if folks are listening in, you're definitely interested in metrics. So this is a good place to start. But magic number to me is really interesting because it effectively is measuring uh, sales efficiency uh, based on prior period uh, sales and marketing spend. So uh, the prior quarter and how that kind of annualized impact is impacting your uh, subscription revenue growth. So you know, when you really look at it, it's kind of measuring, hey, if I'm spending $1 in sales and marketing in the prior quarter, what kind of impact uh, is that going to have in in kind of a current quarter that I'm in? And, 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 that, and the number of the indicator, it can be a little bit daunting, but to us, it's really looking at, hey, how is this going to impact it? What does that one do? You're ideally looking for a matching number better than one. Uh, if it's on, under one, you're, you're wanting to look to evaluate and reevaluate some of those. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting metric. And something that I think can be a very large, you know, helpful guide point as you're thinking about how to augment sales and, and marketing and where you're spending uh, you know, capital on that side of the house. Now, you, you did mention it, but I have also heard it called sales efficiency. Is that the same metric? Is sales efficiency and magic number one and the same thing? It's a good question. I, I would say that there are a breadth of sales efficiency metrics. I, I think one thing, and, and we may get into this a little bit, you can definitely look at LTV to CAC as another sales efficiency metric, customer acquisition cost, months to recover CAC. I all think of those as uh, kind of sales efficiency slash customer unit economics metrics. That's how we classify them at KPIs. But yeah, it's there, there's a, a number of different ways. I think you, you could potentially say that, and maybe there is a... a, a, a people that call it the, the self-sufficiency metric, but I think about it as one in a group or bunch of other metrics that are like-minded that, that kind of fit that that same kind of envelope or, of being kind of a self-sufficiency metric. Yeah, you're right. I think if you were to say, hey, what's your sales efficiency? You're right. I mean, it could be all sorts of different numbers, right? But if we're talking about magic number, that's pretty unique. There's one way to calculate it. This is how it is. So maybe let's dive into that exact thing. How do you calculate magic number? Yeah, so magic number, effectively, you're taking your current quarter's revenue, um, sub subtracted by your previous quarter's revenue, annualizing that, so you're multiplying it by four, and then you're dividing that by your, your previous quarter's sales and marketing expense. So really what we're doing here is we're looking at the impact or the, the amount of subscription revenue growth, assuming you're a SaaS business, which is where this is going to be most impactful, and you're annualizing that impact. So let's say that we had 200K of subscription revenue this quarter and we had 150K last quarter. We're going to basically subtract that. We'll get to 50K and then we're going to annualize that. So we get to 200K. If we spent 100,000 in sales and marketing expense in the prior quarter, that would give us a magic number of two. So basically that 200K divided by the 100K would get you to two in that, that example. So it should actually be a really good number. That means that basically that we are generating $2 of subscription revenue growth for every dollar we're spending 
in sales and marketing expense in the prior quarter. Yeah, I mean, so so there's there's beauty in the simplicity here, right? So we're not looking at gross margin. We're not looking at churn rates. We're just saying whatever net revenue, net MRR that you gained in a quarter, you annualize that. So you sort of say, you assume that you're going to benefit at least a year's worth from that. And you say, how much did I have to spend sales and marketing in a quarter to benefit from that year's worth of that annualized net uh, increase in MRR. So, I mean, that's, it's, there is beautiful simplicity in that. I think everybody could quite easily back of the napkin, you know, put this number and get a result. Yeah, I would agree hundred percent. I mean, when you compare it to an ultimate CAC where you could look at it on a, a contribution margin basis, you could look at it straight up. There's so many different ways to slice and dive. The magic number is pretty, pretty straightforward at the end of the day, you know, it still may be complicated. I think one thing that, that we point out and note for um, you know, folks that we talk to and work with is attribution. So being really consistent with, with how you track and measure data and having the right allocations for sales and marketing spends is really important. And, and where this can be painful is, hey, you use Gusto or another payroll provider and you pull in your headcount data. That data may all come into your PL as one entry. So it's really important that you go and you take, hey, these three heads of my business, they support sales and marketing. You've got to take their payroll headcount costs and include that in your sales and marketing spend. You need to be true to the number because I think where we've seen a lot of folks kind of manipulate that is like, oh, we've got a really good magic number. We've got amazing customer acquisition cost. And then you go and you look at the data and well, your sales and marketing is about, you know, a one third of what it really, you need to be honest to yourself as you track that and make sure there's proper attribution and uh, proper expense allocations as you start to really look at that number. Yeah, that's a great point. And I'd love to just drill in a little bit on when is the right time to start tracking this metric? Is there a certain stage of company growth where you should track it? Are there folks who really shouldn't be tracking this metric? It's a good question. I, you know, I don't know if there's ever, you're definitely, you can definitely be too early, right? You want to be post-revenue. You want to have some amount of stable growth. For example, if you're doing 10,000 of monthly recurring revenue and you're growing 10, 20, 30% monthly, that's going to be challenging because the the, the data that you have there, the numbers could be all over the place from quarter to quarter. So I would typically say it, it, it's probably a good rule of thumb to, to be in operations for uh, a year and be generating revenue for at least a year. So you have um, some quarter over quarter data to look at. Obviously, the, the bare minimum you need is is two quarters of activity. So six months of, of true business and revenue expense data to support that. But I think you want to be to a point where you've kind of gotten out of the purely exponential, super early startup stage. And you're in a more reasonable, non-purely exponential period of growth both from quarter to quarter to get a, a good sense for that number. I think what's really important to note and caveat for a lot of these metrics, regardless of what you're tracking, is it's all about a trended analysis and understanding directionally where your business is heading. I think a lot of people get into the weeds and focus on, hey, this seems to be 99.9% correct, when really it's kind of a 90-10 kind of analysis, which is 90% correct. 10% is a little bit look and feel. As a, a finance guy and somebody who likes to be 99.9% accurate, that, that pains me to say it. But when you really look at this metric and you're trying to understand, hey, what does this mean for my business? How is this going to impact me? I think it really is more of a 90-10, a look and feel thing where you're trying to understand directionally where a business is going and how can I use this information to make better decisions in future quarters, years, periods, et cetera. Now, you, you talked a little bit about starting too early and how that might result in volatile data. W what about sort of the type of company and, or who you're selling into, like average ARPA? If you've got like an SMB 
you're going to have more volume. So is it easier to track? Or if you're an enterprise player, you may have less volume. Does that mean that you're going to be more volatile? Again, is there sort of, it's better for one business or the other? And how do you compensate for that? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I think for me, it's less about business size and how you're selling. It's more, well, actually it is about how you're selling, right? Really at the end of the day, it's kind of, what is your sales and your go-to-market model? The biggest thing here with magic number, it can be manipulated based on how much you're, you're spending on sales and marketing. If you drive a lot of organic traffic, you have a lot of, of cost-efficient customer acquisition costs, as in you're not spending a ton per lead or per converted deal. That's a lot different than a you know, paid acquisition heavy model or a model where you're going to be investing a ton in sales and marketing to be able to support and grow that revenue. So I think part of it's, it, again, it's based on efficiency, right? It, it's based on Hey, how is my business going to scale? If you're a, a business that's been in operations for five years and a lot of your traffic is word of mouth driven or referral driven, and you're not spending a ton in sales and marketing, you're going to have a great magic number. I mean, that's the nice part about this, especially if you're growing. But again, it's one of those things where, well, if I go and I invest and then, you know, I double my spend in sales and marketing, is that going to drive a lot of additional growth? Well, if I haven't proven out or vetted these channels that are going to be more likely to grow with more sales and marketing investment, that may just be money down the drain, right? So I think it, like every question, it depends, right? It depends on your model, how that's going to impact it. So I guess I'd have less of a perspective there based on, hey, is this an SMB type of business where, you know, somebody's paying a hundred bucks a month or a thousand bucks a year versus a big enterprise SaaS company that's selling hundred K contracts annually on an ACB base. Yeah, there's definitely impacts there. I think in enterprise sales type model, a model, it's going to be lumpier. You're going to have more up and down um, motions with this metric. But to me, it's more about, hey, how do I think about this in, in context with my own business? And how do I think about matching up? Or is this really reflective of our business model? Do we have a sales and marketing heavy business? And how how would additional spend or, or spending less really impact that on a go forward basis? Yeah, that's great. So, Will, could you just maybe talk to the guideposts a little bit? What does great look like for this What's as a benchmark for magic number? And then how can, why is that important? How can companies use that if they're, say, lower than they should be or higher than they should be? What are some of the adjustments that they could make? Yeah, it's a really good question. The nice part about magic number, it's pretty simple, right? If you're, if you're over one, that's typically a good thing. You're generating more in growth than you're, you're spending in, in sales and marketing expense. If you're less than one, you're likely less efficient. Your payback period is over a year, uh, which is okay in certain circumstances, right? If you're investing in some sales and marketing heavy channels that are going to take some time to hit, you may not recoup that investment immediately the next. This could also be lower because you have a longer sales cycle. You spend a bunch in one quarter, but it takes you on average six, nine, 12 months to close a deal. You know, the magic number can be a little bit confusing in that sense because you may not catch up or see that payback immediately the following quarter. So there's a couple of different levers there that kind of drive that. But I would also say a high magic number can also be somewhat of a bad thing, right? I think I mentioned this early on. If your magic number is three, four, five, six, that's great. That likely means you had a great, uh, a great quarter, a great period. But what that also can say, especially if that number is stayed high, you know, in that three plus range over a longer period of time, is that you're potentially leaving growth on the table. You're not investing enough in sales and marketing based on that growth. And there's likely more opportunity there. Uh, and that's not perfect, right? I mean, again, it goes back to the point of the prior question. Really, it depends on your business, how you can kind of invest in sales and marketing and what that's going to do. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, a lot of opportunity there. Now, in terms of bringing that back and, and proving that, say, if you're under one, but it's a matter of re-examining and looking at your sales and marketing funnel. 
you know, are you seeing channels that are capital or expense heavy that aren't generating good yield or, or good investment or good returns? Are you, have you overhired on headcount a little bit and not seeing kind of the improvement or growth that you're seeing? Is it a churn issue? Are you churning off uh, a lot of your core customer base and really your new business is just keeping pace or plugging holes from the customer you're losing? Those are all possible issues, but really it's a matter of growth. That means that your sales and marketing isn't supporting the, the amount you're spending is is over um, overburdened compared to what your growth is quarter over quarter. It's really a matter of then looking you know in, introspectively and saying, hey, are we spending more here than we really need to? Or do we need to reevaluate or reassess how we're spending that money in sales and marketing to see if we can you know, drive more improvement there? So just before we hit the record button for this for this podcast, Lauren, I mean, we were chatting a little bit. You said that there were some trends uh, coming out of scale VC on this metric. Uh, what what were those? Yeah, well, the ten year trend was that the metric number was actually trending down, and you know, really getting lower over time. And and I kind of wondered if that was due to the fact that it maybe we're needing to invest more in sales and marketing for the same dollar of incremental ARR, if there were any takeaways we should make from that, or if that's just an interesting trend to observe. Yeah, and I know, I know, Will, that we chatted about it and we didn't have any specific answers to that, but I mean, maybe maybe you've got some ideas. Yeah, I mean, I do have a few thoughts. I do think that, you know, there's still a mentality, especially for venture and institutionally backed companies, growth by all means is still a large sentiment, especially with how much capital dry powder there is out there, right? That the fundraising market's still pretty high. There's a lot to kind of support there. So driving that top line growth is still really crucial to anybody's story as they go out and raise capital. So I do think that people are willing to overspend, and especially if you look at kind of long-term trends, driving down that number means you're being a little bit more aggressive from a sales and marketing perspective. And I would say that that, you know, again, this is a total guess of putting my finger in, just putting an estimate out there, but in a capital friendly environment where it, it's not, it, it's going to be a lot, lot, a lot less difficult to raise capital or subsequent round than it was, say, three, four, five years ago. Comparatively, you're more likely to be aggressive on sales and marketing, knowing that there's more capital to support that behavior if you need to go and raise it at some point. So I think the other piece of that too is cost per click. There, there's more competitive dynamics from a, a paid acquisition and a customer acquisition standpoint. So as you see that continue to rise, that's obviously going to impact and drive that that number, your sales and marketing number up and your magic number effectively down. So those would be kind of two factors of things I would think that, that would likely be driving that trend. Yeah, it's, I, th I mean, I would, I would tend to agree. I mean, I think it's a combination of there's been a lot of money going into growth. So, you know, this number is probably going to err on the side side of running hot. And you're right. I think, I mean, we've seen it as well. Competition, uh, online competition, uh, ad spend has increased as well. So I think in general, to acquire a single customer, you can't just rely on organic anymore. I think things are getting a little bit more expensive. So let's get nitty gritty for just a second. Just just very tactical. So the typical customer, where are they going to get these base metrics from? So, you know, and, and really there's there's the two, right? There's the, the MRR or ARR growth. Uh, what systems do those typically come from? And, you know, where do you typically source your fully loaded sales and marketing costs. Uh, what what have you seen in your experience? It's a good question, and it's a it's a loaded question to some degree. I think for a lot of companies, they struggle with this from a finance perspective. So I mean, it, it all starts with having a good chart of accounts and saying, "Hey, 
we're going to go in each month and make sure that we're allocating the proper costs. We're going to put our sales and marketing heads in a sales and marketing lineup on our PL. I'd say for for most early and even kind of middle stage companies, they're probably using a QuickBooks Online, a Zero, something along those lines. For later stage companies, they may have migrated over to an ERP, Sage Intact, NetSuite, you know, a, a lot of these types of solutions. So as you get later stage, there's a, a higher likelihood that you've you've you have a functional PL and you're tracking those costs. From a revenue standpoint, it's a little different. Um, so there's a couple things here, and I, I'll give a quick tip for folks that may need a little bit more help, but it starts with having accrual-based accounting. So basically going through and saying, hey, I am a SaaS business and I receive money on for annual deals in a given month. What do you have to do with revenue recognition to say, hey, I'm going to take that deal and I'm going to spread it out over the next 12 months. So say it's a 12K a year deal. I recognize a thousand bucks of revenue a month. So when you think about that across 50, 100, 200 customers, that gets pretty painful, right? And I think there's a lot of companies out there that still track this on a cash basis. But what you're really looking to do is say, hey, what is my recurring revenue in this given kind of period in this given month? And for some companies, it's easier than others, right? But the real goal there is to get subscription revenue to a point where, hey, I'm showing this linear up into the right path. If you're on recognizing revenue on a cash basis as a SaaS business, and you are receiving deals, you know, annual prepays or people that are paying quarterly or semi-annually, it's going to be really hard to calculate this metric, right? It's not going to be give you a ton of value. So I think it's really critical to have uh, accrual-based accounting principles in place here to make sure. But assuming you've done that, I'd say you can definitely just do that within a QuickBooks or a Zero if you have the right accounting standards. If you're struggling with that, there are solutions out there. There's Stripe, there's SaaS Optics, there's ChargeMe, there's ChargeBot, what I would classify more in the subscription management bucket that can help sort that out. But yeah, there's a lot of ways to look at it. And I'm always happy to chat too. So our company helps with this a bit as well. Always happy to, you know, happy to talk through that. And everybody's revenue recognition is a little bit different. You may just have straight SaaS. You may have SaaS plus usage-based component or some sort of revenue transactional-based component, which can make it complicated. Not everybody's the same. Every path's a little bit different. Hopefully that's some helpful color there. Yeah, I think I think that's really valuable. And I think that's where you said like that sort of 90% accurate, you know, make sure that you're watching the trend. But definitely folks reach out to Will, reach out to other folks to sort of get a sense of, you know, how do you track and accurately get that MRR number properly uh, accounted for? And then obviously on the sales and marketing side as well, make sure that you're you're getting the right heads in there, the right expenses. So that's that's great. That's yeah. And one, one last point there, I, I think this is important to emphasize. You could have the most awesome stack of all time, right? And the, the greatest finance tech stack and the best tools and um, the best reporting solutions and the best visualization tools like Clipfolio. But if you don't have good data quality, if your data doesn't make sense and you don't have the functional PL or the data is just not accurate, you're, you're, you're almost wasting your time to some degree. It's, it's gonna be garbage in, garbage out. There could be surface level value. There could be certain things that you could clean Maybe you get some cool reports or stuff to show your investors or potential investors or your board. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you don't have good data quality here, this is all kind of a, it's all kind of a ruse. Well, that's a whole nother podcast in and of itself. Data quality. Happy to talk through it. Yeah. That's something yeah. that we, we bang the table on all the time, but yeah, more of a, more of a table setting item to make sure that this stuff is actually worthwhile to, to review and understand. That's awesome. I'm talking about a table, I mean, I know we're remote now. We're over Zoom. Imagine if we were sitting together at a night in a nice restaurant. The main dish is the magic number. What are some of the metrics that would pair well with magic number that really go together to give you a nice context? 
Yeah, I mean, to me, it's going to be measuring customer acquisition cost, uh, measuring customer lifetime value, which gets you to LTV to CAC, which is really helpful. And I think of that as like magic numbers, sister metric. You know, it's kind of a, a similar type of, of, of mechanism to understand how you're performing from kind of a sales standpoint. And amongst the recover CAC, I also think is important. Again, it's another sales efficiency metric. Basically, what is my purity to recoup acquiring a new customer? All of those, I think, fall into kind of a similar umbrella. And honestly, for folks that we work with at KPI Sense, those are the four metrics we track within our sales efficiency, customer unit economics uh, metrics. So we have put all four of those in the same bucket. So Will, any, any last words of wisdom for people starting out looking at magic number, looking at sales efficiency, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing that I would say is do not go and make big, uh, sweeping changes solely based on um, limited data from from magic number. And I can't stress that enough. I think there's times where people can cherry pick, pick metrics and say, hey, this number is really good. I'm going to ignore all that stuff that may not be as good about my business and say, hey, we're going to invest a ton of money in sales and marketing just because our magic number was really good this quarter. I can't stress enough. You want to look at it contextually as part of kind of your broader story, as part of your business and what's going on elsewhere. And I, I, again, I can't emphasize enough. It's really important to understand, hey, how does my business make money? How am I growing? What does my sales and marketing engine look like? Um, if that's more, less based on your sales and marketing spend, and just more based on your business model, that's really important. You know, magic number is not going to be as important to you. Whereas if you are very focused and, and spending a lot in sales and marketing and driving a lot of growth through your sales and marketing function, magic number is extremely important. So I think it's understand to understand your story. But I also think it's really understand, uh, important to understand magic number as part of a, a, a bucket of broader metrics. You, know, you want to understand it compared to months to recover CAC. You want to understand it compared to, hey, how much cash do I have to invest in this? Are we venture-backed? Are we bootstrapped? So, I mean, some of this stuff may be obvious, but I think it's really important to look at it across a broader scope of metrics to ensure that you're not going to rush into any conclusions or any judgment. I think on the, on the reverse side, if your magic number isn't great, that's okay, right? There, there's opportunity to improve. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can do that. You still could be trying to find product market fit. You may have invested a little too heavily in sales and marketing up front and realize you need to re kind of measure or retool that a little bit. That's all right, right? I think that's that that's the important thing. Magic numbers should start a good discussion internally within your business. It should help you pull in different folks on your team. And it should help be kind of this conversation item around, hey, how can we make sales and marketing better? You know, if it's high, maybe there's things that we could do to be a little bit more efficient and actually drive more growth. If it's low, it may be time to revisit and look at some things like, hey, maybe we're spending too much in this channel. This hasn't been as effective for us. Maybe we spent too much here. Maybe we need to reevaluate where our product market fit is, what our ICPs look like. So I think, I think for us and how we think about using it within our business, within our customers, it's really important to emphasize that it should be more of a directional conversation starting tool. And in certain cases, yes, it can definitely be saying like, hey, we should probably spend more here. But I think it's really important to understand and set the table for how it works for your business and where it can be impactful. Will, thank you so much, uh, everybody. Will Cordes, CEO and uh, founder of KPI Sense on a beautifully simple, fundamental metric called Magic Number. Thanks, Will. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed today's conversation about metrics and data, be sure to check out Metric HQ our online resource for the metrics that matter most to you and your business.